0: Welcome to Psychology Concepts Explained. This is your host, Dr. Jack Chuang. I have a doctorate degree in counseling psychology, and I'm an online psychology professor for a couple of colleges in Washington State. And yes, for your information, those of us who have earned a PhD may call ourselves doctor. All right, there are just different kinds of doctors out there. But yes, it is a title that we academics may use and have commonly used. So there seems to be a misconception out there that only medical doctors are are referred to as doctors. Um, But of course, if you're on an airplane and someone cries out, is there a doctor on the plane? Then yes, we're looking for a medical doctor in that circumstance. Um, I would not be quite as helpful uh, in that circumstance if someone is having a heart attack. Okay, although I do have training um, in first aid, but, I think it's uh, uh, expired. Yeah, I got to redo my training. Okay, so for those of you coming, uh, drop by my podcast for the first time, welcome to my humble podcast. This is where I either record long-form lectures, if you'll see in my podcast history, that uh, are related to my psychology courses. I teach intro to psychology at the college level, as well as Lifespan Psychology, also called Developmental Psychology. So you'll see plenty of short or long-form lectures uh, in my podcast channel. Outside of those, I record singular topics such as today. And uh, so hopefully this might be relevant to you. I'm not sure. But I want to focus on this status that we in academia called call A B D. Right? It's not a disorder, it's not a medication, it is all but dissertation. A B D status. Occasionally you might see a university instructor or researcher with those initials behind their name, but they're not it's not a proper credential. It means that someone who is pursuing their doctorate degree is pretty much done with all of their course requirements and internships and all they have to do to finish their degree and to graduate with that graduate degree is their research project which is called a dissertation normally that requires a couple of years to complete the dissertation component could be longer at the master's level here in the united states we typically call the same paper a thesis although you may refer or have heard people refer to their paper as a thesis if they're pursuing a doctorate degree. So those could be used interchangeably or it may depend on the institution they're attending. So I've spoken before that uh, in terms of academic degrees, you have the associate's degree which you obtain at a two-year college typically called a community college or junior college traditionally and that's an associate's degree so you would get an Associate of arts or an associate associate of science degree AA or AS so if you attend a four-year university afterwards now you may be able to shave off one or two years because you've already earned your associates but if you're going straight from high school Typically, the average time, if you go full-time, is four years to earn your bachelor's degree, okay? And uh, after the bachelor's degree, there are many graduate schools or medical schools you can attend, attend. So typically, after a bachelor's degree, people will go to law school, medical school, or graduate school, right, uh, if they're seeking some sort of professional degree beyond a bachelor's degree. So... For the master's degree, we talked about before, that it typically takes about two years on average if you're going full-time. And for a doctorate degree, it could be between four and six years going full-time. And of course, it could be a little bit longer than that. So I'm gonna address those of you who have a tendency to get stuck when working on this kind of project. Now, let me first talk about my own experience because I have a lot of authority to talk about ABD because I called myself an ABD for many, many years. I first started graduate school in 1990 as a social psych major. I went straight from my bachelor's degree as an undergraduate straight into a PhD program of social psychology. So this was planned to be a six, seven-year journey where you work on a master's thesis, On the way, so they're not separated programs, it's one continuous program. And four years into it, right, so I was a little bit behind on my thesis, maybe a year and a half, right? But I've completed almost all of my coursework, so what was holding me back was not doing this research paper. And for those of you who don't know, to do a thesis or a dissertation, you have to have a committee of faculty members. Typically, you have someone from within your circle of professors at your institution who is your committee chair, chair. Then you may choose one or two more who are also fellow faculty. And then sometimes you choose a fourth person who's outside the college, who may be in private practice or working uh, at some other institution. So for myself, I fell behind in the thesis project, and I'm gonna discuss that this is a very common type of thing because doing coursework is pretty straightforward, right? You just sign up for classes, you register, you pay tuition, and then you take the classes. It's not really possible, uh, likely that is, in graduate school to fall behind in your coursework because they're, they're scheduled for you. Right? There's a sequence of classes you have to take and generally in graduate school, it's pass-fail. And those who enter graduate school tend to be very highly motivated, very competent. They know what they're doing. You'll rarely see someone fail and not pass, right? Everyone, the motivation of the colleges and universities is to get you through, right, to make sure you succeed. In any case, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that's just the way it goes, okay? The, the, when you're in graduate school, your GPA is not really that big an issue, as it is in, as an undergrad because you're trying to increase your GPA for your bachelor's degree so that you can get into a graduate school. But once you're in graduate school, whether you made a B in a class or an A in a class, that, that almost doesn't matter as much, right? No one's going to look at your graduate school transcript. They're just going to see that you have a master's degree or you have a doctorate degree, that you've completed it, right? No one's going to be picky and going through it with a fine-tooth comb. as why did you make a C in statistics? Right? That's not going to happen. All right. So mainly I'm talking about these big research papers where people get stuck. Now, in my personal experience, when I got stuck, it coincided with a new interest in counseling psychology, so I switched programs. Typically, the counseling psych department would take doctoral students who have completed their master's degree that was their minimum requirement they didn't have a continuous program like the social psych department did or uh, yeah the social psychology uh, department and so I got in because my an advisor at the university this is all within the same university wrote a letter on my behalf that I kept in my file as a very valuable piece of paper which basically says that for all intents and purposes, Jack has earned a master's degree. Now, it wasn't official, but I've pretty much done most of the coursework just shy of the thesis. So I'm a master's level student going in. But if I did not finish my PhD, then the degree I would fall back on would be my bachelor's degree in psychology from my undergrad. I actually would not have a master's degree on paper. So this is a big risk for me going forward. But I had a chance, you know, to start anew, a new slate. So I got into this doctoral program for counseling psychology, did all my coursework, did my three years of training at the VA hospital and the University of Counseling Center, three total years of training, right, that I've talked to you about before, where I've worked with interesting patients and clients. But then the old research paper obstacle came up again and along the way this is where I realized that maybe I should have gone to a PsyD program, Doctorate of Psychology, where the focus was on doing clinical work and not as much on research, where a dissertation is either not required or maybe optional. But it was too late for that. I'm in a PhD program, which stands for Doctorate of Philosophy, which traditionally means it's a research degree. So someone who has earned a Ph.D. in whatever subject, it could be math, it could be philosophy, it could be biology, right? That means they've had to earn that degree by doing research as well as their coursework. They've most likely have written a dissertation and it's probably bound up somewhere in the university library, gaining a lot of dust. Or if they're lucky, it got published later in a journal. All right, so back on track here. So what happened to me was I fell into this ABD status. I was virtually done. I just need to finish my paper, and what's required to complete this paper, right, is that you have to go through the steps of data collection, um, you know, the usual steps of creating research, right, which we can talk about in a different podcast doing a literature review, data collection, you're creating your hypothesis, right? You set up the experimental or research method depending on the type of research you're doing. Then you'd run your data analysis and write up results in a discussion and conclusions, right? And so it's very, very involved and it takes months if not years to do, especially in graduate school. Now, many graduate programs these days they recognize that some students have a difficult time with this on their own. And so they've created a series of courses where you complete portions of your dissertation along the way. That way you're pretty much guaranteed that you'll finish on time. On time meaning that when you're done with your coursework, that's also when you defend your dissertation or your thesis. So what is a defense for those of you who don't know? Well, it means that when you complete your paper, you don't just turn it in and they, check, they sign their names, and uh, which they do, <laughs> and then you're done. No, you have to defend it, meaning that you hold a semi-public forum where you present like a PowerPoint presentation of your project, where the committee and actually outsiders can come and sit in and listen and ask questions. Then only if your committee believes that you've passed your defense, then they will sign off on it, and you will graduate. Okay. Now, there have been horror stories out there, and luckily there are fewer than the majority, that maybe the committee member, a committee member was not supportive, whatever, and and would ambush the graduate student by saying, oh, this is lacking, you know, we can't possibly approve this. Typically, that's not going to happen. Hopefully, you've found committee members that are supportive of your endeavor and want you to finish, and that your paper is pretty much complete prior to making that oral defense or presentation. Right, and that's I think a graduate student's worst fear is that something's going to bad is going to happen or a surprise, like in politics, the October surprise, that's going to happen during that oral defense. And uh, so that that's pretty much the process, okay, in uh, generally speaking. So what I want to get to is to talk to you guys who happen to be ABD, and how. You know, I, I eventually did finish, and I'll talk a little bit more about how I was able to do that. Because most of people who are ABD, they're, they're pretty much not on campus anymore. You're out there probably working a full-time job. You have family and all that. And you have this big gorilla hanging over your head that's applying a lot of emotional and psychological pressure and stress because you should be done, but you're not. Right. You're actually doing a job that you would have probably gotten with a PhD. Maybe you're an academic, you're a researcher, you're out there, and they're they're just saying, "Okay, well, we'll hire you, but you know, finish up your doctorate, so you can at least have that, you know, behind your name, and you're done, and you can move on. It can be on your name when you publish articles and all that." So when someone is at that stage of being ABD, basically everything is done except for the paper, it's a real hindrance, and it takes a toll because a person feels stuck. And that's what happened to me. I was working a full-time job already where my wife was pregnant, about to have a baby, and I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, life is only going to get busier. Where am I going to find time to do this? And, it, and each semester will pass. Now, I don't know about most graduate schools, but the graduate school I was in, you're required to maintain a minimum of six credit hours, right, while you're still working your dissertation. Now, the three credit hours could be any kind of course on campus, but at least the other three have to be dissertation hours. So here was I, living off campus, of course. I was pretty much done with everything. And I signed up for three credit hours, but it doesn't mean I show up anywhere. There's no class for dissertation. You just work on your own, and you set up meeting times with your committee, It was a very odd situation that I'm paying tuition for something I'm not actually physically doing, especially when I'm falling behind. And at the same time, I may be taking Spanish, which I did. I was one of the older students in my Spanish class. All these other students were stressed out. They're freshmen, sophomores. I'm a late 20s graduate student, probably my early 30s at the time, taking it for fun because I just needed the credit hours to finish my doctorate. So I was there speaking Spanish, you know, making an A in the class, just having a good old time, people looking at me really strangely. Then I also took a PE class. I took uh, racquetball. Then I took weightlifting, I think, and karate, two semesters of karate. So I was killing time, basically, and not being very productive. And the worst part about being ABD is that. It creates a sense of shame where you don't even want to connect with your faculty members, your faculty committee, because it's embarrassing. Oh, remember me? I haven't really done anything in five months, ten months. You know, I'm just reporting in. And so what happens is, is that we start to avoid, right? It's one of the stress responses is avoidance, okay? And... And then after a while, you know, we get these status reports every year from the university about how you're doing in grad school. And those initial letters were all very positive. Hey, Jack, you're doing great. Keep up the good work. Oh, Jack, you're doing great, but, you know, make sure to keep up with your dissertation. Then near the end, the letters became more threatening. Oh, Jack, if you uh, don't finish your dissertation by this stage, by this date, then you may be forced by our policies to retake your qualifying exams. Or comprehensive exams okay and what is a comprehensive exam it's something that you usually uh, a very in-depth one or two day long test, basically where it covers your field so in my case it was counseling psychology from the history of it to the variety of theories and so forth before someone can work on their dissertation and begin it they have to pass that exam first And so you set that date and just study like crazy. So I passed my test and I didn't want to take that again. So that really freaked me out. Hello, friends. Let me take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Let me talk to you a little bit about searching for happiness or trying to achieve goals and oftentimes life and circumstances and other reasons get in the way. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with your therapist within 48 hours. And it's not a crisis hotline, okay? And it's not self-help. It's actual professional counseling, but it's done securely online. You have access to BetterHelp's network of over twenty thousand counselors with a wide variety of expertise and training and this is also about accessibility if you don't have a counselor in your area to see in person then this could be a great solution for you so this service is available for clients worldwide and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor so again accessibility You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as in traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and they make it easy and free if you want to change counselors if necessary. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash Psych Explained and join the over 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced mental health professionals. And there's a special offer for my Psychology Concepts Explained listeners you can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com/slash-psych-explained. You can see the link in the show notes. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Psychology Concepts Explained. At the, I started that program in 1995, 94, 95 after four or five years of the first program I was in. And I did not defend my dissertation until 2004. So that's 10 years. I'm very embarrassed to confess this to everyone who might be listening, the five five of you, or or maybe 500 of you, I don't know. And and so when I finished, and I was still working at the community college, that was my first full-time job, and I've been working for four years as an ABD. And when I finished, I was kind of curious. I was like, I wonder how many people at the community college, any coworkers or administrators are also in the same boat. Maybe I can help them out because I knew how difficult it was being ABD and how to get out of that hole. And by the way, the only reason I was able to finish was not only because my wife threatened me about every month but also because of those threatening letters. At some point, I just could not avoid it any longer. So it was pretty much do or die. It was either do or quit. And the thought of quitting really scared me because I would have to fall back on my bachelor's degree. Right? And that didn't sit well with me because of all the time and money invested in all the knowledge I've gained. I'm pretty much a PhD-level person as an academic in terms of my knowledge and experience and my ability to teach just without that piece of paper, right? And so coincidentally, we came back from Asia on vacation and coming back, I was very jet-lagged and I would wake up very, very early in the morning, Texas time. So I would just go to the office at 5 in the morning. I would have to get a special key because the outside doors you know, were locked just so I can get in and during those few hours before I would teach any of my courses that's where I got most of my work done okay so let me go into a little bit more detail about I jotted down some notes about some steps that can help perhaps another person get through this hole of ABDs ABD status And going back to the story that I was talking about earlier, at my college, I was curious to see if anyone, so I put the word out that, um, oh, I wonder if anyone else, You know, I wanna create a support group if anybody wants to, to sort of help them through finishing their degree. And I put out a mass email, and I'll get one email back to, and then suddenly I'll get several, at least a handful, almost close to 10, right and so another faculty member and i just basically co-sponsored this group and folks would come and introduce themselves and they're from all different backgrounds all different uh you know subject areas subject matter experts some were faculty members some were administrators who want to finish their degree so they can keep moving up they need a doctorate degree to work in higher level administration at the college And so we were kind of winging it, but we basically knew that the first step was just getting over that emotional hump. So let me go through some of these steps that I wrote down. Okay, so let me step back a minute, right? One of the first things we do discuss with people was that uh, is quitting an option. Could quitting the program help someone be better off? And in some cases it might be right? If they're so far removed from the college that just the idea of starting over again from scratch in terms of their dissertation project was too daunting, and they're already settled in at their job, at a community college level, you don't need a PhD to teach, so they're okay that in that sense, then maybe for some people it's okay to quit. And there wouldn't be that much of a loss other than a lot of time spent, and then have to get over that psychological hurdle of feeling like you failed at something. Right? That, that could be very challenging. And so, even though those of us who were in ABD status are very good at what we do, there is a sense of shame and a low self esteem, self efficacy about that aspect of our lives. It's just a topic that family members know not to bring up. Hey, how's your paper going? as if it's just a two-page essay you can write down in an hour, right? Okay, so that is step number one, is quitting an option, okay? And recognition, this is part of step one also, that this is an emotional, psychological hurdle. It's not about skill set. It's not about ability. It's really what, in my experience, working with my colleagues in these support groups an emotional hurdle to overcome just to get over that shame that they've spent so much time in grad school not finishing their dissertation or thesis and they have to get over that hump and take concrete steps of action and it was extremely difficult if not near impossible to do on their own and there were people crying in our groups right feeling so bad that they let everyone down and let themselves down and all that. So the first step is to recognize that this is a huge emotional psychological hurdle for someone who's, you know, when we start our graduate programs, we're all in the same boat. We're all very uh, enthusiastic. It's like spring training for a baseball team, right? Everyone thinks, oh, everyone's very positive, enthusiastic, and optimistic. Even during the coursework phase, everything's great, it's fun, it's exciting. And then when you start to see your classmates graduate, leave, everybody gets splintered off, there's no more college community anymore, everyone's living their own lives, and then you have this thing that's sort of stuck with you sense of shame. Okay? All right, so acknowledge that part of it. Step two assess where you are now with your graduate program, what year are you in, right? Are there certain things you need to do to continue? Um, Are you actually still in the graduate program, right? So you have to review the policies of the university you're in and whether or not you have to register for dissertation hours, credit hours, and so forth, okay? And that alone is a huge accomplishment okay just being able to get over that hurdle to actually make a phone call or two is a huge step okay and one of the one of the parts of the assessment is when was the last time you spoke with your committee and how far along were you in the research project? Are you at the very beginning choosing a topic? Did you write up your lit review? Did you get stuck at the statistics phase? Right? At what point are you stuck? Now, for me, I went through many subject changes. So much of my early ABD years was just not even starting, not even having a topic. Um, I think many doctoral students fall into this trap of wanting to do a huge, important dissertation that will launch their research career. But what's more important is that you actually finish so that you have your degree so you can launch a career in academia, if that's your goal. So being stuck ABD does no one any favors. It's bad for the university. They want students to finish. It's bad for you. Because you're lingering on it's holding you back and I had many offers post-internship to work at the hospital once I graduate but I can't tell you how many times I had to say no even the Air Force was recruiting social workers and psychologists my wife is a social worker they thought we'd make a great team to join the Air Force and travel and provide mental health services right i would have been a, we would have been captains or whatever officers upon entry and that, how exciting would that be but she was done she was already licensed but i wasn't so i had to say no to that right so even though there isn't a huge amount of difference between me the person with the phd on paper versus me without the PhD on paper, right? I mean, I still did the same amount of coursework. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is opportunity. One opens doors, one closes doors, right? So for me, quitting was not an option at that time. All right, so now that we have an assessment of where we are in the program, how far along we are in the paper, whether you need to choose a new topic and choose a more practical topic that could be done, without the goal of changing the world, but just that it's easier to do methodology-wise, right? It doesn't doesn't require a whole team of researchers to help you. Then that's a better option. Okay. And you need um, a supportive committee, right? So while you're assessing this, if you need to find new committee members, find people who will be supportive not those who have a huge ego and an axe to grind and don't like it when there's a brilliant graduate student showing them up okay so you want to find someone a, a team that is very supportive and luckily i did for myself step number three find support or a peer group i noticed on twitter there's phd and there's a lot of different hashtags out there of different folks earning their doctorate degree who are supporting each other, and that's what you need. But get to know one or two people in particular where you can help each other, keep each other accountable, okay? And that's what we did in our support group. We said, okay, Jim, what you want to do, what seems like you need to do for this first step is to call your dissertation chair. Chairperson. person okay just make the phone call get back in touch that's all you need to do and we'll talk about it next month <laughs> and sad to say that some folks in our some folks in our support group did not come back maybe they just felt a lot of shame maybe just felt like it wasn't worth it they weren't up to it right but those that did take that first step they would come back and say Wow, I expected the worst. I expect to be chewed out and all that, but they were happy to hear from me. They're ready to get going and help me graduate, right? They were surprised that their faculty committee was so positive. And here's the thing, right? As an institution, it's in their best interest not to have these so-called dropouts, incomplete graduates, right? They want to have a certain number of students go in and a certain amount of students finish. It makes their program look good, right? That they have more of these graduates out there than non-graduates. All right, so find a support person or a peer, peer group, right? And step number four, reach out to your committee chairperson. So I just mentioned that, right? You might expect the worst. Psychologically, it's a huge hurdle. You're going to be afraid that they might have forgotten your name but you need to call them up call up the department chair set up a new committee if you have to you just have to make those steps if this is worthwhile to you you have to do that find supportive faculty replace the ones that you feel like are a hindrance to you okay step number five actually getting back to work on the paper. Again, this depends on where you are on the paper, right? But mainly you have to carve out time, right? For myself, I was working full-time and all that, so I carved out time by utilizing my jet lag schedule of being up at 4 or 5 in the morning and having those hours uninterrupted and quiet, okay? Now, I could just stare at the wall for two hours a day, so you have to create these very small practical achievable goals and tasks right because what happens is that we see this dissertation and the defense as being this huge thing right big scary monster whereas if we break it down to one step at a time then it's not as bad it's very very doable so that's what we need to do is break down this huge project into its small pieces and celebrate when you've done them, right? So for myself, it was just organizing my articles, right? For anyone doing a research paper, you've collected a lot of articles that are usually printed out back in the day. I don't know about these days, it's probably all electronic. But just organizing them, just reading them again, browsing through them, just getting your mind into it. You can't just sit there and say, okay, I'm gonna write this section today, cold right you can't do that you have to sort of get your mind into the realm of your subject area and then look at your paper and think about well what section am i in what's my next step and talk to your committee members about those things as well they're there for a reason they're not just there to sign off on it they're there to guide you so remember, you're already a doctor. You just need the document to show for it. Okay? So again, if you're pr- don't focus on trying to do this huge project, focus on a practical project that's doable. Now, step number 6 is the oral defense. Right? I can tell you my experience. It was in a room like a uh, like a committee room, not a huge classroom. It wasn't one of those that was made public to anyone, although others could attend. Um, but they were just glad to be there. So, okay, Jack, finally, you're ready to go. And I've been teaching for four years full time by the time I defended. So I put together a PowerPoint, you know, had my usual talking points. And by then, you know your stuff. You're the subject matter expert, right? There are not going to be many surprise questions. And if you're not really sure, every research has its holes. You just talk about the weaknesses, okay, that you know of. The whole point of the dissertation defense is for them as a committee, as a university, that you can show them that you understand the ins and outs of doing research, the pitfalls, the advantages of one method over the other, okay, that you can write up a summary, that you understand basic statistics that are related to your field, and you can write up a decent conclusion of what you know what what was the significant part of your study, the results of your study. Right? That you understand the process. Even if you're not going to be a career researcher, at least you know how to understand research when it's presented to you. And so by the end, I was done, and they were all just flabbergasted, like, wow, you're really, that was a great presentation. Well, I was like, yeah, I teach every day. <laughs> so those of you who are already already academics out there teaching and who are ABD, don't sweat it. Your defense will be uh, like another lecture. And trust me, a lot of researchers who are big-name researchers are not that great at teaching chances are if you're a career academic who's an instructor right now your presentation skills will probably impress them that's what happened with me then we had a bunch of handshakes and i'm telling you the emotion i felt was more relief than excitement right the day for being excited was long gone i was just relieved to be done and to tell my wife that yes we can join the air force if they want us. <laughs> all right. So not going to talk too much about how that oral defense works. I mean, it's just a presentation and the committee will ask you questions and all that. Um, but it's really just a just like a classroom presentation, half an hour maybe, 45 minutes. Okay. All right. So in our support group, we've actually helped a few people achieve their degree and You can just, I mean, we celebrated. And they really did say that if it weren't for this group, they they don't think they could have done it. So don't expect to just, you know, tough it out all by yourself at home. Maybe you have a little office space there or a closet that you're working on your dissertation. Meanwhile, there's a pandemic going on and all this stuff is going on in in your ABD. There is hope, okay? You can it and uh, you just need to find the right support system out there okay okay that's it for today if you have any questions and if you are abd or all but thesis um, feel free to reach out to me if you want to all my methods of communication are listed in in the description and my podcasts are totally free i don't make any money through ads at the moment so if you want to buy me a coffee feel free to do so All the methods are in the description. Okay, folks, I hope this was helpful for some of you, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor Um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field? Uh, Go to Apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review, okay? And you can also contact me directly using the links in the description, whether it's Twitter or email, with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better. And uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.